We're in the middle of series called Route 66, and we are in a segment entitled Deliverance. And in this passage in Joshua chapter 5, there is a moment that occurs. A moment that occurs that you and I need to see. And so uh, in Joshua chapter 5, starting in verse 13, I'm going to read for us verse 13 all the way down through the first five verses of Joshua chapter 6. And as I read... I want you to think about this moment. It is a God moment that Joshua encounters. And he was not expecting to encounter at that moment. So let's see what happens with Joshua and let's see how we can apply this word. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, A man was standing before him with a drawn sword, with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? Verse 14. And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out, none came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do this for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall. Of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every, everyone straight before him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for God moments. Lord, may we see these moments, these moments that are happening in our lives even today. Father, your servant, Henry Blackaby, has penned the statement that you are at work all around us. You are always working around us. Lord, may I see you working and join you. May River Bend see you working and join you. Lord, as we see this passage today, would you... uh, Speak. Father, would you show us 
how to apply this passage about a God moment to our lives today. Lord, you are so good. God, you have blessed indeed. You have given us everything through your Son. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for coming and living and dying so that we too might live. Lord, speak, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. What a moment. An instance where where we see God's people. They, They have been wandering for some 40 years. Moses has died. Now Joshua is in charge and they've crossed the Jordan River. They are now in the promised land about to go into battle, and this moment occurs. One point this morning for us to look at, one point for us to see from this passage out of the book of Joshua, and it is this. Keep a watch out. You and I are to keep a watch out because God moments come At any time. God moments come at any time. So keep a watch out. Let's talk for a moment about that. Joshua chapter 5 verse 13 states, And when Joshua was by Jericho, when he was by Jericho, he was preparing for the battle, That was ahead. He he was standing outside of Jericho, overlooking, seeing that huge fortified city. And I wonder what his thoughts were. You know, it wasn't the first time that Joshua had stood there. You do understand that, right? Forty years prior to that moment in Joshua chapter 5... Joshua and 11 others stood outside that city. 40 years. All the wanderings in the wilderness. Joshua had been by Jericho before. Look at at the screen. You'll see the verses in Numbers chapter 13. In Numbers chapter 13, here is what... Happens and, and they told him, meaning uh, they, uh, the twelve spies, told him, Moses and the children of Israel, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities, the cities, they are fortified and they are very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Who are the descendants of Anak? They are the giants. They were Goliath. And they scared the 12 spies. Wrong. They scared 10 of the 12 spies. 
They scared them enough that 10 of the 12 decided that their report would be such. We cannot go in that land. This was not the first time that Joshua found himself beside Jericho. And I just wonder, what was he thinking as he stood there this second time, some 40 years later? Well, what would you be thinking? Did his mind wander and think about how he could be resting in the promised land instead of preparing for battle? Was he asking God how the battle was going to go? Was he asking God, all right, Lord, would you show me where they're going to come out so that we can have our armies set in this particular place so that we can defeat them with the greatest of ease? What was he thinking? Tim Keller, a pastor in New York City and best-selling author, put it this way. He, Joshua remembers standing there with the spies. And the spies looked and said, we're slaves. We're freed slaves. Because we were slaves, we were oppressed in Egypt, and we were shut out in all the educational institutions. We were shut out of leadership. We have no military skill. We don't have any military training. We don't have any technological skills or advantages. We can't take that city. If we don't take that city, we're dead. It's the first one. It's the first place. We're lost. Our children and our wives, they'll be taken as plunder. We will die by the sword. Joshua comes out and he looks up. He remembers all of this. He also remembers God. In a sense, he had to wipe out the entire first generation. And he had to plant a new people in the land of Canaan. And as he's thinking all these things, he turns. And as he turns, he sees a man. He's not just any man. He's not just doing anything. He turns and he sees this man, and that man has his sword drawn. And Joshua asks the question, are you for us or are you for them? Pretty straightforward question, right? Two options to answer. Are you with us or are you with them? Are are you going to be a part of this army that I'm leading or am I just about to just roll right over you? Two options to answer. Yet this man says no. How does he answer that? Are you with us or against us? No. No. No, you don't get it. Sir, I almost called Jesus dude. No, you don't get it. There's either two options. You're either with the children of Israel or you are against the children of Israel, meaning you're with Jericho, you're with all the ites, and something is about to happen. We're going to throw down. And Jesus says, no. No. I am the captain of the Lord's army. I am the commander of the army of the Lord, and now I have come. In this instance, in this moment, this God moment, 
that is happening in front of Joshua's eyes, he sees the pre-incarnate Christ. He sees the Lord Almighty. And you say, Brian, how how do you know that? Well, let me just give you a side note for just a brief second. There's not a lot of things that we know about angels in Scripture. It, 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 scripture does not focus in on angels because angels are not the focus point. But there is a segment right at the end of Scripture in Revelation chapter 22, verse 7 and 8, John states this. He states, maybe, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and I saw these things, I saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But this angel, this angel said, you must not do that. You must not bow down and worship me. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, period. Don't fall down and worship me because I'm just like you. I'm a created being just like you. Don't do that. And then he finishes his quote with two words. Worship God. All throughout Scripture, from Genesis through Revelation, if you take this book, there is not one time where people bow down and worship angels and they are not scolded for it if they try to do it. If they try to do it, the angel says, don't do it. Exodus chapter 3, we saw a few weeks ago. The angel of the Lord showed up in front of Moses in the midst of a burning bush. And what does he tell Moses? He says, take off your sandals, for where you're standing is holy ground. Now the captain of the Lord's army states to Joshua, hey Joshua, take off your sandals, because where you're standing is holy ground. You and I, we don't need to get caught up in these peripheral things. Angels are created beings just like us. In one form, yet they do not know, as Peter states, they do not know why we worship like we worship because they are not saved like we are. River Bend, you and I, if we step back for just a moment, continuing with this side note, if you and I don't get caught up with things that sparkle, with things that fears, with things that have no substance. But may you and I keep our eyes on the main thing. May you and I keep our eyes on Christ. And may we know Him, may we study Him, may we follow Him. Some of you saw last night a post that I placed on Facebook to let you know that I was in a cold place. And a sad place for that matter if you're a Rebel fan. But as we were there, there were a couple in the group that saw the guys carrying cotton candy. And they're like, ooh, supper. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. It's not supper. It's not supper. I love cotton candy. But there's one thing I know about cotton candy. There is no substance 
there. You put it in your mouth and it just dissolves. May our focus not be on things without substance, but may it continue to be that which is all substance. Joshua, quick, he quickly knew how that moment was. Are you for us or against us? He said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord, and now I have come. And Joshua fell on, the fa- fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. What do you want me to do? What, what does my Lord say to his servant? Here's my question. How, how much longer are you? How much longer am I? How much longer are we? Going to come to the Lord and say, hey, Lord, are you for me or are you against me? In essence, what you and I do when we do that, we say, hey, Lord, how much longer is it going to be before you get on my initiative? Before you get with my plan? How much longer is it going to be, Riverbend, until we hear him say, no. It's not about me getting on your plan, River Ben. It's about you getting on mine. It's about you getting in step with where I am, is what the Lord is saying right now to every single one of us. How long? How many more times is he going to have to tell you? How many more times is he going to have to tell me? This is what I want you to do. Why don't you just do it? Adrian Rogers put it this way. If you want victory in your life, stop trying to get God on your side and get on God's side. Get on God's side right now. God hasn't come to take sides. He's come to take over. And you will never know faith. You will never know victory. You will never have victory over your Jericho. The walls will never fall until you do as Joshua did. Joshua had come to Jericho problem conscious. He left right outside Jericho God conscious. Are you and I that way today? If you and I do the the right thing, then all this is is it going to work out? If I obey God, or is this what you're thinking? Is this what you're saying? If I obey God, then my husband is he's going to hate me. He's going to be pushed away. If my wife, if I obey God, my wife's going to snarl and she's going to bite back if I follow him. If, if I obey God, my parents, they're going to stand up and they're going to be against everything that I'm doing if I follow God. If I follow God, then my coworkers are going to say that I'm weird. They already say that because every single one of us are weird. Why don't we just follow him? Why don't we just follow him? What's in the blank? If I follow God, this is going to happen. What's that for you? 
What's in the blank that you're writing down, that you're thinking about, that you've got, that if, if I do this, here is the huge thing that's going to happen. I'm going to lose finances. I'm going to lose a nest egg. I'm going to, I'm going to lose some friends. People are going to talk about me. Let me close the message this way. Look in, look in chapter 6. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 again. And I want to draw a couple of things out that maybe you have not seen. Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. Pause right there for a second. Word has already come to Jericho. Word has already come to all of Canaan. All the ites are scared to death. You go back and read uh, Joshua chapter 2. As before they even crossed the Jordan River, their, their hearts, the hearts of all those ites, have melted because of fear of the children of Israel. And here in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. Nobody was going in, nobody was coming out, all because of Israel. They were scared to death. In verse 2 it states this, And the Lord said to Joshua, Hey, look, see, I have given, past tense, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king, and it's mighty men of valor. It is a done deal. It's already happened. And here's how the victory is going to be won. Here's how you are going to grab a hold of this victory. You shall march around the city and all the men of war going around the city once. And you shall do this for six days. Excuse me? All the men of war, you want us to get right up close and personal to the wall. Yep. You don't want us to draw our, our weapons? Nope. You don't want us to stand back so that we'll be safe? Nope. I want you to risk everything that you got, Joshua. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? I want you to walk around the city wall one time, day one. I want you to do the same thing again day two through day six. So for six days, I want you to walk around this great fortified wall one time. Uh, Lord, they're going to get a clue. If not the first day, by the sixth day, they see that repetition. They're going to be up on top of the wall. Joshua, do you trust me? Yes, Lord. Verse 4, seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. When they made a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, catch this phrase, Catch this phrase. Then all the people shall shout 
with a great shout. The ESV loses a little bit in the translation, I believe, of that phrase. The Hebrew for that phrase is this. It is a victory shout. It is a shout of conquest, a shout of conquering. And you're like, they have not seen the victory yet. There's still a huge fortified wall. And God is saying to all the children of Israel, not just to Joshua, not just to the priests who have the seven trumpets that are blowing that horn. He is saying to all the children of Israel, hey, trust me. Victory is yours. Victory is yours. When they make the long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall flat. And the people shall go up, everyone, Straight before him. Three minutes and I close. Some of you right now, you're on day four and you want to give up. You're on that fourth day. You've walked around the city of Jericho and you're like, this is stupid. This is crazy for me to stay in this. It's, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous for me to respond to the situation this way. And I know that I, I just want to respond this way. Some of you on day two, you don't see the end yet. Some of you at day six. Some of us in the room at this moment, we are on day seven, but we're only been around the wall four times. Like, I, I, I don't know. Some of us find ourselves like Naaman, full of leprosy, full of sickness, disgust, and we're like, there's no way in the world I'm going to, to the uh, Jordan River and just dipping seven times. There are better rivers. There are cleaner rivers. That is the muddiest river I've ever seen. There's cleaner rivers over in Damascus. I'm going back there. Um, why don't you just dip seven times, Naaman? Why, why don't you just walk around the city one more time, sir? Ma'am, why don't, why don't you just follow him? It's crazy. It's God. Will you trust him? Will you trust him? Will you trust him today? Brian, I don't see any meaning whatsoever. Will you trust him? The name of God in the passage is not Jehovah Jireh. We've already looked at the name of God, Jehovah Jireh, that he provides beforehand. But that character, that attribute of who he is, applies in that moment, and it applies in your moment today. He has already provided victory. He's already provided victory of the addiction that you find yourself in. Addiction of drugs, addiction of pornography, addiction to work, addiction to whatever. He's already applied 
that victory to you. You just have to trust him. He's already walked ahead of you and knows the way. You just have to trust him. He's already made the way. Will you just trust him? Will you just follow and do what he says to do? Will you and I, will we live our lives the way that he says, hey, Brian, you need to live your life this way. You need to be gracious. You need to be an encourager, Brian. Joshua and the children of Israel understood what God had said and they trusted him enough to obey him. Will you? Will we? Heavenly Father, Lord, it's not a necessarily an easy word. The action behind the words that I will trust you. I will trust you with the way that I'm going to live my life. From this point forward, I can't change, Lord, what, what's been done in the past. But from this point forward, I will trust you. Because you are Lord. Father, in this room, I, I believe that there are a number of us. There are a number of us, Father, who, who want to take your place and be the Lord of our lives today. Father, we, we want you to be Lord for eternity, and we want to be safe, eternally speaking. But for today, we want to live our lives however we want to live them. And God, this passage shows me, this passage shows us that that cannot be the case. You don't come to take sides. Father, you come to take over. You come to take over my life today. You come to take over the lives of these youth that are in this room today. The lives of these adults that are in this room today. Because you are Lord. Father, would you draw us close? Would you show us clearly, clearly, Father, what you would have for us to do? Father, may I trust you. Sir, the... Uh, Invitation is for you. It's for nobody else, sir. It's just for you. The invitation is for you to, to respond to God and, and to love your wife the way that you are supposed to love your wife. Sir, it's for you. How you treat your co-workers, how you speak about your boss... As Lord, Jesus is saying that you cannot do those things that way any longer. Ma'am, the invitation is for you this morning.
the attitude that is there with co-workers, the attitude that is there toward kids, the attitude that is there toward neighbors. God, God is saying to you, you, you can't have that attitude if I'm Lord. You've got to love them because I love them. Ma'am, sir, he, he says, I'm Lord. And if I'm Lord, I, I'm, I'm over everything in your life, every decision, how you live every single moment of the day. When you come to me, you've got to come on my terms, not on yours. So as we stand and as we sing, the question for you is, will you come? Will you come on his terms? And will you trust him? Father, would you move as we sing? We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.